Look in the book of Luke in chapter number 2. Luke in chapter number 2. Hope I didn't shock you by going to Luke in chapter number two on Christmas Eve. Luke chapter number two, follow along as I read these first few verses. It came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. All went to be taxed, every one into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that thou, while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. I've entitled our message uh, this morning, Our Deliverer, Our Deliverer. So let's pray and ask God. To bless. Heavenly Father, thankful again to be in your house. Music that we've heard, uh, what a blessing. Open our hearts and, and uh, our minds to what you have for us. And speak to all of us. And I pray that there may be one who doesn't know Christ this morning, that he would receive Christ before he leaves. And all of us would have listening ears. We'll give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. So, confession is good for the soul. Are you ready? Here you go. I'm tired of preaching on Christmas. <laughs> three weeks ago, I had my message ready for this morning. Literally, three weeks ago. I, okay, this is what I'm preaching. I even told some staff members, I am not preaching Christmas this Christmas. <laughs> Inevitably... Brother Gaddis is gone on the Sunday that's close to Christmas, and so then I'm preaching, and I have preached all of it. I've preached angels, stars, wise men's, mangers, shepherds, sheep, camels. I got nothing left to preach on Christmas. So I felt good about myself. That I was going to, I was ready to go way in advance and I was going to get up on Christmas Eve morning and preach something that had absolutely nothing really to do with Christmas. In the back of my mind, knowing people are going to hate me, <laughs> they're going to be so mad. So, but I was still going with it. So, here's what happened, and this is really interesting. I got a text from my daughter in law. And evidently her and some Mrs. Gaddis and maybe some others, I don't know, were kind of throwing around some thoughts uh, about Christmas. And, and, and she sent me a, a text that had a lot of good things in it. And I thought, well, that's, there's some interesting things there. 
Well, in that text, there were really just two sentences, two phrases that just kind of stood out. And I, Lord, these mean something. And they don't have anything to do with camels. And I haven't really thought about these this way. And so that just became, started to ruminate in my mind. And, and so starting on this last uh, Monday, I said this, I, I think, Lord, you got something different in mind. I really want to preach what Jesus wants me to preach. If he would have let me not preach Christmas, I'd have gone that way too. But these wouldn't leave me alone. So I was inspired by a text I received from my daughter-in-law with these couple of thoughts that really brought home some other things. And it opened up the door uh, for me uh, in a lot of ways here that I hope you'll understand as we talk about the deliverer. Now, most of you <clears throat> who are older, you know what happens in this place called the delivery room? Delivery rooms, I kind of researched, they are as old as hospitals. Delivery rooms. And originally, no men allowed. And that was the way of, of the world until about the late 70s or so. In the 70s, they, men made their first appearance in the delivery room. Personally, I think men were better off smoking cigarettes in the waiting room. It's just my personal opinion. I've been in the delivery room four times. Anyway, that's just my opinion on it. Now, everyone knows that the birth of Jesus is different than most, even most births at the time of Christ. And due to the fact that Joseph was being basically forced to travel from Bethlehem, uh, to Bethlehem for this census and this taxation, he had to journey uh, 90 miles, 90 miles. And so they found themselves, Mary and Joseph, with no options but a birth in a stable. And so this place for housing normally animals became a delivery room for the king of kings. And in that stable, Mary delivered Jesus. And as the story goes, we read she wrapped him, uh, no doubt, in the traditional swaddling clothes that she brought with her in anticipation of what was going to happen. He was going to arrive and she was going to deliver in Bethlehem, and she brought in a, with that knowledge these swaddling clothes. So you know thousands of songs and hymns. We've sung some today, and we'll sing again tonight. And there's poems, and there's cards, and there's sermons by the thousands that have been given and, and, and sung and recited about this very special uh, delivery. And every Christmas, the world celebrates, and, and hopefully those who know him celebrate it with more meaning and more enthusiasm, because we know the true meaning of Christmas. And according to this account, 
Mary delivered Jesus, or she gave birth to Christ, and there was no small stir about the birth of Jesus. I mean, angels, angels appeared and announced his birth to these shepherds. And, and in the Bible, that's the only recorded uh, birth announcement where shepherds at a birth literally showed up and announced to these shepherds that he was born. That must have been quite, quite a scene. And then later, the delivery was again announced to Herod, you remember, by the, these travelers who've come from a far land to see him. And, and Herod got all excited about this birth announcement. And, and that made everybody else excited. And not in a good way. That there was this delivery. And so here we are, and we're thousands of years later. And that delivery still brings both joy and at the same time it brings rage and brings fear and brings comfort it brings peace yet it brings turmoil and just think about the millions millions of deliveries and the millions of delivery rooms but only one delivery changed the world It was, it was the word, and it was the word in the text that I received. It was the word delivered that caught my attention in this text that I got. And I looked up the word delivered, even though I know what I mean it. I mean it when I say delivered. I always like to see what Webster back in 1828 had to say. He was a man of great thought. And he said this, delivered means to be free. It means to release as from restraint. To set at liberty as to deliver one from captivity. To rescue or save. So let me talk to you about this delivery. First of all, Mary delivered Jesus. And this text that I, that I got, and it had a lot, a lot of things in it, but this two sentences stood out. And here was the first one. It really caught my attention. It said this, Mary delivered him living to eventually die. Think of that. Mary delivered him living to eventually die. We got a lot of questions to ask Mary, don't we? We're going to, when we see her, got a lot of questions for her, and, and there's all kinds. I, I, you can imagine we have so many, but one that stands out is this Did Mary understand just what was in store for her as she held her firstborn child? Did Mary know that her heart would be broken? As she watched him die on a cross. Because just a few days later, after this scene here in Bethlehem in the manger, a few days later, Mary and Joseph, they took Jesus uh, to the temple. And you know that Simeon, 
met them at the, at the temple, and he pronounces these blessings and, and prophecies uh, concerning the Christ child. And here's what he said. Simeon blessed them and said unto Mary, now he's talking to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel, and for a sign which shall be spoken against. Now remember, he's talking to Mary, and listen to what he says. Yea, a sword shall pierce through thine own soul also, Mary, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Maybe right at that moment. Maybe right at that moment, it was there for the first time that Mary began to realize this is not going to be easy. She delivered a healthy baby boy. And he would eventually die. Oh, well, all, everyone dies, right? But not the quiet death of an old man in his bed, but a violent, cruel death in the prime of his life, and one that she would witness. It's hard for, if you're a parent in this room, it, is it hard to imagine how she must have felt as she looked at his tiny face, knowing her time as his mother would be cut short. And you know, Jesus himself, Jesus himself began at, during his ministry time of his life, began to address the purpose of his birth and his appearance, his arrival. Listen to what he said in John 12. Now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this cause came I into this hour. In John 18, Pilate therefore said unto him, Art thou a king then? Jesus answered and said, Thou sayest that I am a king. To this end was I born. And for this cause came I into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. In Luke 24, the Son of Man, listen, must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified. For us, Christmas a time of celebration and family. If you haven't yet, I, I hope you have a great Christmas time with family and just enjoy uh, company and, and food and having a great time. But this first Christmas that we just read about, it said this, Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Just like you might recall fondly some Christmas that you've had uh, in your past, Mary kept the events of this, her first delivery, and she kept them in her heart, thought of them often. Mary delivered Jesus living to eventually die. So I started thinking about that phrase then and Mary delivering Jesus, but knowing that uh, he was going to die and, and all that that meant. But uh, there was other deliveries. Think of this. Mary wasn't even the first to deliver Jesus. Before that first Christmas in a stable, 
before swaddling clothes and uh, sleepy shepherds, before an angel appeared to Joseph and before the creation of the universe and everything that we see. The Bible says that the father delivered the son. Listen to Romans chapter 8. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. Think of this. There was a plan conceived in eternity past that God would deliver his son to die. And you can think of all, thinking of the crucifixion and the death of Christ, you can think of all the adjectives that you would like to, to describe the death of Jesus. But you can never use adjectives or words like this. You can never say it was tragic. You can never say it was accidental. You can never say it was catastrophic. You can never say it was unintentional. Because you need to use words like this. It was glorious. It was loving. It was powerful. It was reconciling. It was peace-giving. It was hope-sealing. It was redemption-purchasing. It was eternity-promising. He was delivered by his heavenly father, and then delivered by his earthly mother, all for one reason, to die. The death of Christ wasn't a last minute, well, I hope this goes well, kind of thing. There wasn't this panic. There wasn't a panic scramble in heaven as God tried to decide how he might somehow make this, this chaotic situation work out. No. No. God the Father, purposefully, deliberately, with forethought, delivered his Son. For God so loved the world that he gave. Think of this, the greatest gift, and I'm sure you've got some great gifts. I've got some great gifts this year. And in years past, man, I've had some great gifts. I was telling the Sunday school class this morning about the train set that I got when I was about five years old with real smoke coming out the chimney. And man, that was a great gift. Still think about that. But the greatest gift ever given. Can't buy it in the store. Think of this, Amazon don't even have it. You won't find it under a tree and you won't find it in a stocking because the greatest gift was given by the greatest giver, the Father. He gave the Son. There isn't a father in this room who wouldn't do everything and sacrifice everything for their child. And the very thought that you would deliver them to be crucified for the sins of others, is that not beyond your ability to grasp? That's what the Father did. Romans 5, for scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet peradventure for a good man, some would even dare to die. But God commendeth his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The Father delivered the Son 
knowing what the cost would be. Not for good people. Not for righteous people. Not for holy people. Not for church people, but for sinners, for bad people, for people who hate him, for people who reject him, for you, for me. God delivered the Son. Mary delivered Jesus for one reason. She delivered him living, and he would eventually die. That wasn't all. Think of this. The Jews, the Jews of Jesus' day, those people that he came to, came to win, he, those people he came, they came to, literally, they delivered him. Mark chapter 10. Behold, we go up to Jerusalem, Jesus said, and the Son of Man shall be delivered into the chief priests, and the scribes, and they shall condemn him to death and shall deliver him to the Gentiles. Matthew 27, now at that feast, the governor was wont to release unto the people a prisoner whom they would. And they had then a notable prisoner called Barabbas. Therefore, when they were gathered together, Pilate said unto them, who will ye that I release unto you, Barabbas? Or Jesus, which is called Christ, for he knew that for envy they had delivered him. Think of it, the Jews, his very own people, not only rejected him, they delivered him. John 1, he came unto his own, his own received him not. Isaiah prophesied it in Isaiah 53. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Those Pharisees and those religious leaders, to them, Jesus was a threat. He threatened their power. He threatened their position. He threatened their way of life and he didn't follow their man-made uh, rules and all their uh, heartless uh, rituals. His birth and his parentage placed him very low on the scale. And can you believe he ate meals with sinners and with the outcasts of proper religious society? And then he called out their hypocrisy, didn't he? And he preached repentance toward God and, and to a God who loves all men equally. And he worked miracles. And he didn't care what day it was or who it was upon he worked the miracle. Well, they couldn't allow that type of guy. Those kinds of words in their little world I mean, what if people actually follow him? What if people actually believe in him and, and reject everything that we've worked so hard to gain? Fear and power and control. So they finally arrested him, didn't they? And they lied about him. And they tried him. And then they delivered him. 
If you think about it, before the crucifixion that night, they could have killed him that night. But what they had in mind was much smarter. What we'll do is we'll let Rome do our dirty work for us. So they delivered him to Rome. And they pressured Pilate to execute him as nothing more than a common criminal. And then let the people see their Messiah hanging on a cursed tree. And that will end that. God the Father delivered Son Mary, delivered the baby Jesus, and he came into his own, the Jews. They rejected him, and they delivered him. He had another in John chapter 19. And it was a preparation of the Passover about the sixth hour. And he, Pilate, saith unto the Jews, Behold your king. For they cried out, Away with him, away with him, crucify him. Pilate saith unto him, Shall I crucify your king? The chief priests answered, We have no king but Caesar. Then delivered he him therefore unto them to be crucified. And they took Jesus and led him away. Mark said this in Mark 15. And so Pilate, willing to content the people, released Barabbas unto them and delivered Jesus. When he had scourged him to be crucified, Pilate, Pilate delivered him. Pilate was cornered, wasn't he? His wife warned him. Don't have anything to do. Steer clear of Jesus. Don't have anything to do with him. But the Jews pressured. And he wanted to keep the Jews happy and peaceful. He wanted Rome to hear nothing but good reports of his reign there in Jerusalem. And an uprising of any kind wouldn't bode well. And even though he knew Jesus was innocent. Pilate delivered him to be crucified. And you know the story how he washed his hands. This symbolic act to release himself from guilt. Pilate delivered him. Gave him over. Released him to be crucified. And that's part of the second phrase in that text that I got. It really stood out. It brings things full circle. Here's the text. Mary delivered him living to eventually die. Pilate delivered him dead to eventually live. What a great thought. Is that not the true meaning of Christmas? A Savior delivered. A Savior delivered in a stable. To be crucified, a Savior delivered from death, resurrected, and a Savior who will deliver all who believe. Romans chapter 4, verse 25, who was delivered for our offenses. Galatians chapter 1, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son. 
So the father delivered him, and then Mary delivered him, the Jews delivered him, Pilate delivered him, all so that you and I could know the forgiveness of sins and have eternal life. It's certainly possible this morning that there's some who don't, while you appreciate Christmas, and even Christ, the Christ of Christmas, and you wouldn't have bad feelings of God or Jesus of any kind, and Christmas may be very special to you, that's really not the question. The question is, do you know what Christmas is truly about? Do you know him as your Savior? He was delivered to deliver, and he can deliver you from your sin, from the penalty of your sin, because the truth is this, you too were delivered to eventually die. Because nobody gets out of this alive. Nobody gets out of this life alive. And the Bible is clear all of us will spend eternity somewhere. Either in heaven with God or in hell separated from God. Well, how does a person, how does a person make, go to heaven? Does he do good things? Well, you can do good things, but you'll never do enough good things. Does he join a church? Well, I hope you do join a church. I know a good one. I hope you join but you could join every church and that wouldn't get you to heaven. How about if I get baptized? You can get baptized until you're a prune. But that's not going to get you to heaven. It's not doing good or thinking good or being good. It's not being religious or going through some religious rituals or somebody saying words over you or nothing. It's a relationship that you have with Jesus because you know you're a sinner. And you know that Jesus was delivered. He was delivered by the Father and by Mary, and he was delivered to the cross, and he paid the penalty for your sins. And you simply, as simply as you can, as a child, you believe in him with your heart, and you call upon him, the Bible says, and whosoever does that will be saved, delivered. Delivered from your sin and the penalty of your sin. What a Christmas that would be. But that's not all. I was looking up just that word, deliver, and I found that just in the Psalms, the word deliver is used 55 times, just in the Psalms. It's used many, many, many other times in other places, but the Psalms, 55. And as you begin to read those 55 times, it really takes on... Uh, one big thought. Let me read you some of them. O oh Lord, my God, in thee do I put my trust. Save me from all them that persecute me and deliver me. Arise, O oh Lord, disappoint him, cast him down, deliver my soul from the wicked. Keep my soul and deliver me. Let me not be ashamed, for I trust in thee. Bow down thine ear to me, deliver me speedily. My times are in thy hand, deliver me from the hand of my enemies. And the Lord shall help them and deliver them. 
He shall deliver them from the wicked and save them. Blessed is he that considereth the poor. The Lord will deliver him in time of trouble. And call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver thee and thou shalt glorify me. Deliver me out of the mire and let me not sink. For he shall deliver the needy when he crieth. Help us, O God, of our salvation for the glory of thy name and deliver us. Because he hath set his love upon me, therefore will I deliver him. But do thou for me, O God, the Lord, for thy name's sake, because thy mercy is good, deliver thou me. Consider my affliction and deliver me. Let my supplication come before thee. Deliver me according to thy word. Deliver me, O Lord, from mine enemies. I flee unto thee to hide me. Think of this. Believer, he didn't just deliver you from your sins. If that was all that Jesus ever did for us, that'd be enough to praise him forever. That we were delivered from our sins and the penalty of our sins. But it's not just that. Jesus in heaven continues to be our deliverer. Psalm 18, the Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. My God, my strength in whom I will trust, my buckler and the horn of salvation and my high tower. All through the Psalms, it's evident that we can call upon him in any circumstance, any trouble, any grief, any fear, anything that might come our way that would cause us any kind of consternation, anything that would bring some confusion or heartbreak, anything that we have, we can call upon him. And he says, I am your deliverer. He continues to deliver his children. From fear and doubt and guilt and confusion and heartbreak. And he gives peace and joy and love and guidance and hope. He is our gift. He's our deliverer. Mary delivered him living. To eventually die. Pilate delivered him dead to eventually live. And can we say, and he ever liveth. He ever liveth to make intercession, to be your deliverer. And I don't know what your problems are and what you face. I don't know if you ran your car into a pole this morning. I hope not. I don't know what issues are in your world. They may be health-wise or financial-wise, family-wise, marriage-wise. Maybe things in your heart that nobody knows but you. Struggles that nobody knows. And you haven't talked to anyone. You can talk to our deliverer. He was delivered on Christmas, but he's not just a baby in a manger. He's our deliverer. He's our hope. He's our confidence. He's our rock. He's our fortress. He's our buckler. You can go to the deliverer. If you don't know him this morning... My first appeal is that you would, before we leave this place, receive Jesus. We're going to have a time of invitation. We'll have men and ladies. We'll have a Bible. They will take you to a private area. And, and there they'll just show you some Bible verses. How, what the Bible says, which basically is to believe in your heart in Jesus and what he's done. What he said he would do.
and then call upon Him, receive Him as your Savior. That's why He was delivered to be your Savior. For those of us on Christmas who know all the Christmas stories and all the songs and all the hymns and have heard all the sermons many times, remember that He's our Deliverer. He was delivered on Christmas morning, not just to save us from our sins, but He delivers us still to this day from all of our troubles. Would you bow your heads with me? Before, I, before we sing and have our invitation time, I, I would ask this, is who would raise their hand and say, Brother Ted, I know, I know there was a time in my life I received Jesus as my Savior. And I'm glad I know that. I'm not perfect, but I know Christ is my Savior. Is that your testimony? Would you raise your hand? I know Jesus as my heavenly Savior. Thank you. You can put your hands down. Aren't you glad you know the Deliverer? Maybe there's one who couldn't raise their hand when I asked that question because you're struggling with it. Maybe you've never thought about it or maybe you have thought about it and struggled with this thing of your eternal destiny. You don't know where you would spend eternity if you died today or tomorrow. Not saying you don't enjoy Christmas or thoughts of Jesus, Christmas carols, thoughts of Christ and the nativity and all that. Maybe that's meaningful and special to you. I'm glad, but that's not what takes a person to heaven. If there's someone in the audience this morning and you don't know or you're not sure that you're saved, that heaven would be your home, that your sins are forgiven. I would pray for you. If you would just raise your hand long enough for me to see, know who to pray for. Is there one? Pray for me, Brother Ted. I'm not going to come talk to you or have someone just want to know who to pray for. Is there one to raise her hand? Please pray for me. I'm not sure I'm saved. Yes, ma'am, I see your hand. Is there any others? Pray for me, Brother Ted. I'm not sure. This thing of being saved, I'm not confident. Yes, I see your hand. Thank you. Yes, I see your hands. Thank you. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you so much for your word. As we think about Christmas and so many things go through our minds. I hope foremost in our mind is the fact that you were delivered to die to die for our sins, the sin of mankind. And that all a person has to do is believe and call upon you and we can receive Christ and forgiveness of sins. The true meaning of Christmas become real at that moment. And you're still the deliverer. And folks right in this room may have been dealing with problems or issues, heartaches, things that they haven't shared. Would you help them this morning to reach out to you, to trust you, to call upon you, their rock, their fortress, the deliverer for your help and your guidance and your peace. And if there's one, we had some raise their hands who don't know Christ. I pray in our time of invitation, they come forward. Let us take a Bible and show them how to be saved in Jesus name.